0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the PR Masters Podcast Series. I'm Art Stevens, your host for our 28th PR Masters Podcast. My day job is managing partner of the Stevens Group, a leading facilitator of mergers and acquisitions in the PR and digital interactive space. The PR Masters Podcast Series features interviews with some of the living legends in our profession. Individuals who have made a mark in the world of public relations. These individuals are open and candid about how they see their contributions to the practice and the reputation of public relations. And we usually share an entertaining as well as informative 45 minutes with you, our listeners. Today's guest is somebody that I have known professionally for a number of years. She is Lynn Casey, longtime CEO of Padilla one of the country's most respected public relations organizations Lynn retired from Padilla at the end of 2019 following 18 years leading the employee-owned firm through multiple acquisitions and in 2018 a sale to Canadian-based Avenir Global prior to joining a predecessor agency in 1983 Lynn was marketing communications manager for Burlington Northern, now BNSF, where she coordinated and integrated the program to expand awareness of company services following deregulation of the transportation industry. She also developed Minnesota's first public relations campaign for foster care home recruitment. She's been active at the communications sector at a national level. She's chaired PRSA's Counselors Academy, served on the board of the Council of Public Relations Firms, and serves on the board of the Arthur Page Society. She served on and chaired numerous nonprofit boards in Padilla's headquarters community of Minneapolis. And I'm gonna talk to her about Minneapolis in just a moment. And she currently chairs the University of Minnesota Foundation and the Itasca Project, and she serves on the Executive Committee of Minneapolis Institute of Art. Her corporate board service includes investor-owned utility Excel Energy, which ranks 276 among Fortune 500 companies, Walman, a leader in the optical industry, and Surly Brewing, a regional brewery serving the Upper Midwest. Lynn was named Woman Business Executive of the Year by Minneapolis-St. Paul Business Journal in 2011. Was inducted into the Junior Achievement Hall of Fame in 2011 and into the Minnesota Business Hall of Fame in 2014. Well, that's quite a record, Lynn. You are involved in so many organizations. It's a pleasure to have you with me today, Lynn, because you and I are surely old friends, starting with the Counselors Academy. Um, And as I was preparing a series of questions to ask you today, uh, it occurred to me that you are obviously in Minneapolis. I I believe you're there now. If not, let me know that. But, of course, Padilla is based in uh, Minneapolis. And, of course, Minneapolis is going through a very trying time at the moment. And Lynn, first of all, welcome to the PR Masters podcast series. And tell me about your sense of what's going on in Minneapolis, Lynn.
1: Well, thank you, Art. I really do appreciate it. And, yes, you and I do go back a long way. And in in listening to the introduction, all I kept thinking was, dang, I should have sent you the short version of the bio. So, So I'm sorry about that. Uh, at any rate and thank you for uh allowing me to talk uh uh talk a little bit about minneapolis where i live um and you know not too far from uh where uh george floyd was um senselessly murdered um at the hands of uh police officers um and uh which really set off if you will a, a literal uh powder keg not only in minneapolis but uh, really a, a, around the country and around the world. And I think uh, you know it's 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 not exactly what you want your city to be seen as on television. But I, I will tell you that this community, which is the home to uh, of you know, 16 Fortune 500 companies, um, is known as a really good place to live and work. Um, really is a tale of two cities, and uh, we have the we have the 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 you what know, the one of the greatest disparities in income level and uh, education level, uh, j- jobs, you name it, um, <laughs> of any of any city in the country. And not for lack of trying. There have been numerous attempts, a lot of money uh, put toward exceptional efforts to close that gap. And it just seems to be intractable. So we have to approach it in a different way. And I think... Mr. Floyd's death was absolutely the wake-up call. And I have been so impressed with you know, how people are rising to the occasion. First of all, you've got the neighborhood uh, groups. And um, I hope if, you're, if, you're, if you were watching CNN when the brooms and the buckets started to come out, uh, this is an extraordinary effort with hundreds and thousands of people. Um, there also is the business community that I just mentioned, which has really stepped up. Uh, but I think we all look at each other and we say we have to figure out how to do something different. And hopefully we can learn a few things and we can share them with all of the other metropolitan areas around the country that are struggling with the same thing. So I'm an optimist by nature um, and uh, just have to see a silver lining and um, I'm hopeful. So thank you for letting me share that.
0: Oh, well, that's that, that's so pertinent. There's no question about that, Lynn, and uh, thank you for sharing your thoughts on that. Uh, but, you know, more to the point, of course, you've had a long career in public relations, and you have headed one of the most successful, uh, at one point, uh, independent public relations firms in, in the uh, country, uh, now owned, you know, I guess by a Canadian uh, a company. Did I pronounce it correctly, by the way? Is it a- Avenir? Yes. Avenir. Avenir
1: is French for uh, the future, and the Canadian company is based in Montreal, which of course is very French. So good work.
0: Thank you. My my high school French really paid off, didn't it? This time. (laughs) 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 So, tell us about uh, you know. I I know this isn't going to be a 25 words or less, but um, tell us about your career. You know, at uh, Padilla. Tell us what Padilla is all about. What it was like when you joined there, and uh, you know, and and how it's uh, prospered and succeeded over the years doing what it's doing. Um, give us a little background, I I guess, on your start in public relations and, and then your role with Padilla Padilla all these years as CEO.
1: Well, I think my, my story is probably similar to a lot of people who are finding themselves in public relations firms right now, communication firms. I, I started out in corporate. I absolutely loved the company I was with. Um, and uh, a couple of years, a few years into it, um, the, uh, the business units were sold off, all except a railroad, which you all probably know now as the BNSF. And uh, that asset moved down to Fort Worth, Texas, and I chose not to go. So I thought, okay, I'm going to spend two, two years uh, getting some consulting uh, chops, join the agency, and then I'll come back to corporate. And um, I never laughed. And I think uh, p- part of it is in, in this town, as I mentioned, uh, when we were primarily a Minnesota-based firm, it, you know, there's a lot of opportunity to go deep into a, a lot of very complex organizations and um, and that, you know, I was able to do that. So I really, really loved it. And um, so that's kind of the, the genesis of it. And um, it's been a long, long time. And, uh, you know, not a lot of people stay in one firm as as long as I have certainly since, including a predecessor firm. Uh, you know, since 1983, for heaven's sakes. But uh, I, I'm only one of many. In fact, uh, the my successor uh, has, uh, we've worked together for 30 years. So this is a firm that prides itself on a lot of things. Um, we did a lot of things together. But I think most importantly is there's a good amount of camaraderie, support, and longevity. And I really think that, you know, that's a secret to keeping clients over the long term as well. So we've, we've been fortunate, but we've really worked at it.
0: Tell, tell us about the illustrious founders. I, I remember John Beardsley quite well. Um, um, he was somebody, of course, who also uh, participated in Counselors Academy activities and uh, its uh, spring conferences. Tell us about some about John, you know, who had a Shakespearean voice of of, of all things, <laughs> and uh, and I'm sure did recite Shakespeare <laughs> quite often in the office. Uh, tell us about your your, your early recollections and the uh, reminiscences about some of the key people who founded uh, Padilla.
1: Sure. Well, some of you, if you've, if you've been around for a while, uh, would know the firm as Padilla Spear Beardsley. So Don Padilla and Dave Spear were the initial founders, and then they brought uh, John Beardsley into the picture uh, sometime in the, uh, I think, uh, uh, probably early 80s. But, And um, through several acquisitions, uh, which we made the last five years that uh, I was with the firm, uh, we dropped the Padilla, or we dropped the Spear and the Beardsley, and uh, um, just to make things simpler. um, But uh, I'll start with John because he was my mentor. And uh, uh, a couple of our industry reporters have called him uh, the poet laureate of the public relations industry. He really was quite eloquent, he was quite a writer, he grew up in the AP. Uh, so, uh, journalism side of things, and um, he was—he uh, uh, he, always—I think he—he he really wanted public relations to be everything that it is, and he was quite the um, scientist, and he was super, super curious, and he realized that um, there is a lot of behavior theory that goes into communicating well. And he was quite ahead of his time, Art, because right now, you know, you can read uh, 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 um influence book, persuasion book. You can read uh, how, how, you know, um, uh, Made to Stick by the Heath brothers. You can read a lot of uh, things on behavioral economics, and those are the kinds of things he studied and helped, helped instill in us. So he died too soon. Um, and uh, before him, you had Don Padilla and Dave Spear, who were sort of the yin and yang. They were real characters. I was told that there was really nothing that happened in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis-St. Paul without them having their fingers in it, and um, there are too many stories that, that people still come up to me today and tell me stories that, um, well, let's just say that the first, the first table we had in our first New York office was bought on a whim after probably a side martini lunch. And I think I'll leave it at that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How did you get into public relations, Lynn? How did it all start for you?
1: Yeah, well, kind of by accident. Um, I uh, moved here to go to law school, and then somebody challenged me um um, a few months before, we were buying our books about why I wanted to do that, and I didn't have a good answer, except um, everybody in my cohort during that time, in late 70s, mid-70s, we, we didn't know what we wanted to do, and there was a, a lot of need for lawyers, so we all took the LSAT and did that thing. So fortunately, I didn't go there, and, but I was kind of searching for something else. I kind of stumbled on the campus of the University of Minnesota into the journalism school. Um, I'd always written, I edited the you know the college paper up in uh, North Dakota where I did my undergrad, and they let me into a grad program. And they said, okay, you can take the investigative journalism track, or you could take the advertising track. And oh, by the way, there's a couple of these uh, courses that you can take if you want uh, called public relations. And I knew i wasn't uh i knew I wasn't jugular enough to go uh against to get a reporting track uh advertising at that time just didn't seem really appealing either um it was a little too much rah rah and um uh, so I, I took those two courses and I was just hooked and uh, you know the, uh, the rest is history got a couple of internships now, what, and, what what hooked you and about go. it
0: what what hooked you about it i'm am curious what did well, what did you find appealing about? about the, the subject and, and uh, career opportunity in public relations.
1: What, what I loved was, um, yeah, I didn't call it that, we didn't call it that back then, but it was pretty clear to me that, um, that you, you, it, well, the, the uh, Page Society calls uh, communic- communications people, especially in organizations, integrators, because the communication stuff we put out is really the output of a lot of conversations with very different people with very different views, both inside an organization and outside an organization. And you put all of that together, and all of a sudden, you've got uh, you've got a way forward for organizations that you can help. So I love the broad-based nature of it. I mean, you have got to be up for it. I do love I love that, and that's really what appealed to me the, uh, the most. Um, Every once in a while, I think, what would happen if I was an attorney? Well, I'd be a litigator. I'd be, I'd, be, I'd be trying cases, and I'm thinking to myself, whoever saved me and asked me that question, and I can't remember who really did me a favor because I, I don't think I could ever be that narrow in my life. And I think I'm speaking for a lot of people on this call, Art, when I, when I talk about kind of my origin story about how I was drawn to this practice. And it's only gotten more interesting.
0: You've been in a leadership role for most of your career in public relations. I mean, when I met you, you were already the uh, uh, chairwoman of the Counselors Academy, um, and as I recall, you did a masterful job at furthering you know, the goals of the Counselors Academy and the, the practice of uh, agency public relations. Um, what do you attribute, you know, your, your getting into leadership positions? What about you do you feel uh, has contributed to that?
1: Yeah, I, I've I've done a, a a lot of soul searching about that, and I really think it stems from um, when uh, John Beardsley approached me and and you know said, "How would you like to get off the road, come come back here and run the front?" And um, I first thing I thought of was, um, "I'm just really ill equipped to do that. I don't see. I never, I you know, I didn't think of myself as a leader. That wasn't my aspiration at all. And so I put myself through." A program called Center for Creative Leadership, and it's a it's, it's a leadership development four and a half days. They shrink you within an inch of your life with industrial psychologists, and it was there that I learned this concept called servant leadership. And my leadership, I, I think my leader, um, uh, you know, exposure had been a little bit more in the command and control nature of things, which probably colored my interest in really being a leader. Servant leadership is all about. Uh, leading through other people, and I really did spark to it. And um, I've kind of come to the conclusion after sharing my thinking with uh, a lot of other people who would call themselves servant leaders that I think I think we're kind of made for I think we're we're, we're made for the kinds of work that we do uh, because when you're when you're leading an organization whose output is from people like uh, like our uh, uh, profession. You really need to figure out how to bring them along and how to how to how to make it their work. And the same is true when you're chairing organizations, volunteer organizations. It's it's just, it's the same principle, servant leadership. If you're curious about it, its founder was Robert Greenleaf. He was at AT and T at the time. Uh, he now uh, had uh, until his death taught at uh, Harvard, and he was really pondering why 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 there are good leaders and why there are leaders who look like they're good leaders, but they flame out. And he was the one who kind of coined a certain leadership. Phrase.
0: Lynn, uh, as, as you look back on your most successful career, um, and a career that in, in included obviously a great deal of leadership and, um, and uh, coaching uh, people who worked with you and for you, what do you feel are your greatest accomplishments as an individual or as 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 the agency
1: yeah thank you i um yeah I have a hard time with that because um i really i i i have never done anything by myself uh, but you know if you are looking to this and you're leading a public relations firm or you think you want to do that someday, start your own. Uh, you know, the buck does stop with you, so there's no getting around that. And um, we took some risks um, during those 18 years. Um, I felt very fortunate the Internet was upon us. We knew it was real, and we made some bold moves early on to start a creative and digital operation um, that, you know, survives today and is is, is really good. Um, in fact, our creative group wins as many ad awards as they do public relations awards. Um, I don't know when those two will actually come together, but for now, we're we're entering everything. Uh, So, and um, the other thing I think is we were known as an investor relations firm. That's how we started. And uh, then we broadened into B2B marketing, but we didn't have any B2C. So, several acquisitions later, um, you know, we're very strong in food and beverage and health and brand strategy. And I feel really good about that. Um, It was hard to integrate, you know, five acquisitions over four years. Them, one of them was 85% our size. Um, but everybody came in with with good spirits and good hearts and we talked about our values and that was great. And I think finally, as you mentioned it, uh the sale to Avenir, um we're yeah, we weren't looking to sell. Um and I was really sort of loath to you know, to I was very careful about who we would be talking to and um and but talk to a lot of people, because um, we were an employee-owned firm, and if we were going to get bigger and really have a global footprint, we needed to do something other than just cash flow our own operations. So, um, so it, 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 it just seemed right, and that was uh, really well done, I think, and um, I'm really happy to leave the firm in good hands, great team, and especially with a parent that is ethical, values-oriented, and kind of in it for the long run. So yeah, that, so it sounds like story.
0: it's worked out well for you and, and Padilla the uh, the acquisition.
1: You know it really has, and I think it's only I think it's because we spent about a year getting to know each other uh, mm. at the senior leadership level really really well. I mean I feel like I feel like I knew uh, the CEO. Almost as well as I knew my spouse when we got married, so it was that kind of a relationship. And I think that I think that served us well. Maybe a lesson to others uh, on, in, in, on the agency side who are thinking about making acquisitions or are talking to other people about it. Make sure you do that cultural assessment. Ask every question that you don't want to ask because it'll come back to haunt you. <laughs> it really will.
0: Well, you know, you raise a valid point because, you know, Lynn. Of course, as you know, I, uh, after having sold my public relations agency, I got into the world of mergers and acquisitions, which I've been doing this, uh, doing it now for a number of years, and. one of my golden rules is exactly what you just said, and that is you know, to make sure that the culture, the chemistry, the fit uh, works well you know, before you uh, sign any papers uh, and even before, and I think it's more important than the, the actual financial terms of, of any uh, acquisition because uh, uh, if, if you're selling an agency, you have to live with these people for many years to come, and you need to make absolutely certain that, like, like a marriage, that there is comfort and uh, understanding you know, between the two partners. So um, I, I share your view 100%, and I'm always advocating that. And it appears that uh, uh, given the relationship that uh, Padilla has with Avenir, that it has worked out not only well, but I guess it, it has accrued to the benefit of both.
1: And you know that that's that's not the case in a lot of a lot of them and i'm i'm sure I'm sure what also is the case is that uh you know some of those acquisitions are doing better even than, than we are on a whole host of levels so I'm just going to turn it back to you, art, because the people who don't know you who are listening to this do need to know that um you do take care and uh to make sure that culture and fit is a part of it and i i um you know you you take great pride in 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 putting your stamp on things, and you do it really well so if anybody out there is thinking, I'll just put a shameless plug in for you thinking about it uh you know make make sure that you consult uh with art um for as long as he's going to be in uh that particular side of the business he knows a lot of people
0: oh, that's very kind of you that's very kind of you thank you lynn um so I want to get back to the role of public relations and uh uh uh, a subject area you fell in love with many years ago when you were contemplating what you wanted to do uh going forward so what is your view about the role of public relations in society what has it changed uh, in over the years or has it been sort of the same as when you kind of first started oh
1: it's changed um it has changed and, and I would say it um the its role in society and the principles that uh, we operate on, whether you uh, pay attention to the page principles or or anything that you're learning on the job, um, you know, telling the truth and uh, you know making sure that you understand your audiences, your your, uh, your constituents very 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 clearly, paying attention to all of them. Uh, I, I think that um, now more than ever, um, those principles are held dear, and thankfully whether through external forces like Larry Fink uh, uh or or what, whatever uh, a lot of businesses are really coming to understand that how they communicate uh, and how they how they live because of course PR is all about performance that's recognized for shift mm-hmm. have you have the performance is just just really really critical so so our role in society i don't think has been uh, has been really tapped until most recently and um, and we have a we have a big job to do if we 're up to it and everybody gets to play a role if you love to write um, you write if you love to be more of an integrator to you know uh, get people on the same page uh, you you broker your um, interpersonal skills and um, but I think the most important thing to do is to for all of us to pick our head up and ask ourselves. Whether the company we're working with is doing well uh, by it, by its employees, by its other stakeholders, and are we making the world a better place? Because um, there's nobody other than people, I think, in our position who hold such power because everybody needs to communicate, and we just need to live up to that.
0: Well, as we both know, know, public relations has certainly changed a lot during your tenure in the agency business as well as my own. What do you envision to be its future based on where it's gone and where do you think it's going to go going forward?
1: Well, you know, we've had these huge debates uh, since the dawn of the Internet um, about are we uh, uh, are are we in the public relations industry? Are we in the communication industry, which one of our industry pundits just says, no, no, no. Communication is looked upon as a tactic. Uh, are we in the, in the strategic communications industry, which has always sort of rubbed me the wrong way? Are we in the marketing industry? Well, you know what? Let's just be in the. Let's just be about uh, helping organizations communicate uh, with the people who matter, um, and that's everybody, um, uh, as, as well as possible using all of the tools that are available uh, to us, and that includes uh, paid, earned, uh, you know, social. I mean, the the, the whole the whole gamut. We should be using um, all of the tools in our toolbox at the appropriate time to do the work that needs to be done to help companies, organizations understand what's important to them, and vice versa. But you know, it, now that I think about it, I'll bet you and I started—you know—we started about the same time. We were on typewriters. We, yep, uh, you know, sure. And then there was a Selectric typewriter. That's and right. And I remember that's because right. John Beardsley, uh, besides being the poet laureate, Shakespearean actor, he also was a really early adopter of technology. So I would be, I would climb on a plane and I would have the first uh, computer. Basically, it was a word processor, uh, but it looked like a computer and it, it was portable. It was an HP. It had six lines of type. And I remember looking back to see where the bathroom was on a plane. And everybody uh everybody had their next crane in the aisle because they had never seen anything like this before, and now look at us, we're all working from home uh for heaven's sake with technology so so I love it. I'll never be an early adopter, but I am a fan
0: yeah, i mean think think about that, and I'm sure you have you know the fact that you know this uh, you know dreaded uh, coronavirus uh situation has compelled uh most people to work from home. Just imagine if we didn't have the technology available today. Would we be as diligent and as efficient about working at home as we can be given the technology?
1: Yeah, I mean, it really is something to ponder. And in terms of you know getting you know an economic recovery going, uh, unfortunately, the recovery is going to be very much laying bare even more than. <laughs> more than uh the George Floyd incident uh are, are disparities. We have we have great reckonings uh uh in our future, all of us in this country. Uh but um on on the other hand, um if we didn't have people who are still being productive uh, working at home, we'd have a worse economic issue than on in our hands right now. So I just uh, think about that as a door closing but a window opening.
0: Hmm. Okay. Well Lynn, you've been a role model in public relations. There's no question about that. All who know know you know about your grace and elegance and that they are your calling cards. Um and I don't mean to embarrass you. But has public you relations fulfilled you as a professional?
1: You know, y- yes, it has. And I yeah, you know, I never look back. Um I I did take a little bit of a detour, uh, when I was at uh Burlington. Uh they picked a few people And, you know, sent us to a management training program, paid for our MBA, the whole bit. And I just thought that would be well-rounding, you know, my career. But then somebody sat me down and they said, you know, don't you want to be a train master? And I said, no, actually, I don't. Send me back to the communications department. But there was that momentary flirt with something else. So, but I think, and I hope everybody else on this call does think as well. Otherwise, please use this time to examine. Um, Yeah, I always said it. It was. It's a great career for curious people with with short attention spans, meaning we can juggle a lot. Um, you know, who can who can build bridges, um, think on their feet, and you know, want to be part of the action. And hopefully, all of us also want to make the world a better place. So I, I can't think of anything. I can't think of anything more
0: fulfilling. Do you think public relations will change as uh, as the years go by in in some uh, meaningful ways, or do you think that you know the basic principles that you and I have lived by all these years will remain the same
1: uh, i well um it's harder and harder to get to truth as you know that's the dark side of uh you know what we what we've created through technology but i think that i think you know what's going on now and i think organizations that are you know coming under a lot of scrutiny with you know a lot of uh, activists investors etc are really demanding the principles and the skills that that we have, and um, I think it will change in many ways because the tools will change. Um, I think that it will also um, get more be, be, be more be more and more important. We just have to make sure that we are well rounded enough so that we can rise to the occasion.
0: Let's talk about uh, the uh, the role of women in public relations. Obviously. Uh, Women have done very well in, in the uh, profession of public relations, perhaps more so in public relations than many other fields. But um, I want to get your view about the role of women and uh, how far women have come in public relations.
1: Well, I thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, I um, can we start over here? Okay, I'll start again, Art. I really do appreciate that question, and I really appreciate Uh, All the organized efforts over years by women who feel super, super strongly that they not only need to be represented, because you're right, I think we're 60-40 now, uh, female female men. They also need to put their own stamp on leadership. And because of those people and because of, you know, on the agency side, the Council of PR firms' um, work and the work of so many others, We've got, I think, a good, we now have a pretty good track record of promoting females into positions of responsibility. And that's really true, um, you know, that's really true in organizations as well. Um, even those corporations that, you know, they may, have, they may have a communications person reporting into, say, general counsel, but a lot of those general counsel positions are held by women. So I think as a profession, we've, we've done pretty well, but we can't let up. I do think that um, at, you know at some point we're going to say okay this is this is now the flywheel is set in motion. now we have to do the real work of making sure that we are representative of our country in uh, in our colors our our ethnic backgrounds.
0: Then my next question uh, has to do with uh, it's really a follow up to an early question about about your getting into leadership roles in addition obviously to you know the basic skills that you have brought to the profession by doing you know the uh uh the uh kind of work that public relations pro- uh, professionals are known to do, but you've become a leader so my next question has to do with your style of management as a leader how would how would you describe your style of management?
1: I think if there was a good word um to be the antithetical word to command and control, that would probably be you know, what, what I've adopted. And um, uh, make no mistake, when I do my personality inventories every which way, um, I come out as a high D, a driver, uh, got, it could be domineering, um, et cetera, et cetera. So in, in many ways, you know, I'm working against type Um, But that's been uh, really fulfilling for me because, and and this gets back to the Center for Creative Leadership work and uh, and servant leadership. I I just am a firm believer that um, if you let go, you can lead. And that's kind of where I've I've always been. Plus to have people who are much better than yourself um, around you so that, you know, you know your weaknesses, they can help um counterbalance those. So I'd say those two things it's probably wraps it up.
0: Okay, Lynn, my my next uh, few questions, which will be my final questions for today's podcast, have to do with you personally, some of your viewpoints and some of the things that, that you, you do as an individual. So for example, um who are some of your heroes uh uh now and in the past? Oh boy.
1: Um Okay. So um I, I actually have um oh I have so many uh leaders, um corporate leaders, uh even some even some political leaders that I just I so admire and look up to. Uh but I'm just I'm gonna single one out. Uh and it's um Richard Davis and he is uh, uh actually uh, retired a couple of years ago, maybe it was less than that, um, from uh US Bank which some of you might know, especially if you are uh, west of the Mississippi, um, a large, I think it's about the third or fourth largest commercial bank. Um, He is not only an exceptionally intelligent man, uh, leader extraordinaire, but he also has an incredible heart. And uh, one of the reasons why I'm involved in as many uh, organizations as I am for profit, not for profit, is because when he was living in the Minneapolis community, uh, that's where U.S. Bank is headquartered, uh, he made it his personal commitment to get rolled up the sleeves and get involved in the community. And other CEOs followed suit, and he was really a role model for a lot of different people. Um, and, you know, we, we were sad to see him leave, but he retired into something that you'll also find pretty extraordinary, which is I think he may be the only Fortune, I don't know what uh, U.S. bank is, uh, a, a 200, you know, maybe 100 CEO, who actually decided to retire into nonprofit work, and um, he now runs MegaWish out of Phoenix, and um, you know is putting all of all of his chops to work there, and you know that's a big that's a big deal. A lot of people. Don't spend their don't spend their time doing that. Their next career, because he was a fairly young guy, could definitely have been a next step uh, up. He probably could have been tre- Treasury Secretary, but he chose this path, and you've got to admire him greatly for that. Richard Davis.
0: Richard Davis. Let's everybody remember that name. <laughs> um, Lynn, what are some of your hobbies?
1: Yeah. Well, thank you. All right. So you talk about hobbies i I must say art, since I've got a, a little bit more time now and having um, hung up the you know the, the, the full-time job, um, I've been doing a lot more cooking. CoVID has really helped that i I love to cook, um, so a, a lot of that. Um, I come from a, a family of uh, musical folks, so both of my kids are musicians. Uh, one actually is a touring musician. so um, I've always lived vicariously through them but I decided mm-hmm. that I would get to know my own voice and um, do something really stepping out and embarrassing, so I'm taking force lessons. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. It's scary. And, you know, I've learned that the older you get, and I, I want to deliver this to the young folks who are listening to this, the older you get, the harder it is for you to accept the fact that you can't get something immediately and you can't be perfect at it. You know, somehow us old folks have lost you know, have have lost the perspective of um, how badly we failed at things when we were first learning them. So that's (laughs) that's what I'm doing right now. So uh, and, uh, you know, family takes up uh, a good amount of time. And of course, I I think there's so so many people who are disappointed that one of the ways they stay stay active in their mind is to experience other places. And of course, travel is off limits. But uh, but uh anyone who's not traveling now is, is it's a good thing but uh please that trip that you were going to take you know don't put it off for too long when the coast is clear
0: <laughs> you know you you volunteer an awful lot of your time to other organizations and causes how do you find the time to do it i know i know obviously you do have a little more time but you know that uh, that difficult list i read of <laughs> earlier of the organizations that you uh, are part of and contribute your time to um, seem to eat up some of your time. How do you find time to do it all?
1: Well, and, you know, and I also think that that's a curse of somebody who loves uh, loves this uh, this career that, that we're in because you are, if you allow yourself, you're exposed to a lot of issues. You're exposed to a lot of opportunities, you know, to make your community, however you define them, um, better. And you also have something that, you know, that everybody needs. You've got skills in communication, and you know everybody needs that. So I almost feel like a, you know it's a it's 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 a calling to be able to to bring those skills, contribute, and, um, and and really you know you know try try to make some try to make some good in the world. Um, but also it's it's it fills my tank. And I remember a mentor once said you know he drew a gas tank on a napkin. And he said, all right, you just need to make sure that the gas going into the tank is going in faster than the drain that's coming out of the tank. So the moral of all of that was you got to know what fills your tank. And it's not for everybody. Volunteerism is not for everybody. And I don't mean to lay a guilt trip on people who just don't have it. Um, You know, expose yourself to it. That's fine. But there's a lot of ways. There's a lot of ways to contribute. Um, This just happens to be sort of a, a, a calling of mine.
0: Then Casey, how do you want to be remembered? <laughs> uh
1: well you know i um I think I was comparing notes actually with somebody who uh uh in town who ran a very successful consulting business uh, um, uh and he he said that he knew from an early age that he wanted to be helpful, he wanted to be of service, and if he shared with me that at one point he thought he was going to be a priest. And then, of course, he met the woman who was going to be his life, so that went out the window. And I had to share with him that I thought about at at one point becoming a nun until the same thing happened to me. So I think to be remembered for, I guess, what you know you are and what you've done all your life, which is somebody who loves to help and loves to serve, um, is probably as good as it gets for me.
0: Oh, that's, that's, one, that's wonderful, Lynn. So on that note, Lynn, um, our conversation for today, our 28th uh, PR Masters podcast is coming to a close. And I really want to thank you for your time and also you know, for your uh, contribution to the profession of public relations and all you have done for it and all the uh, apostles you have uh, created, including me. I am certainly an apostle because you are the best. And so thank you very much, Lynn, for being with us today.
1: Well, thanks a lot, Art, and thanks to all the people who are listening. And I hope I hope you I hope you've got one or two takeaways. That would be that would be that would be an awesome way for me to be able to close this out. Thanks for the opportunity.
0: Lynn, I think we have a lot of takeaways, believe me. So on behalf of our listeners, I'd like to thank you for joining us today, Lynn Casey, and sharing your views with us. And I'd like to thank all of you for tuning in to another of the Stevens Group PR Masters podcast series. So until next time, I'm Mark Stevens, wishing you all the very best.